This is a Crow's Nest podcast. <laughs> it's happening. We're here. We're here. We are. We're here. We made it to Neverland. We did. Well, almost. We're still in the nursery, but we did. We will make it to Neverland very soon. Very soon. Hi, uh, I'm Alexia. And I'm Gally, and welcome Yee. to Damsels Who Discuss. Welcome to Damsels Who Discuss, indeed. Um, this is a podcast where we dis- oop, I just banged my head on something. We discuss Disney movies because everyone likes a Disney movie. Everyone likes Disney movies. I, I mean, I do think it's true. And this week we are doing. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so sorry. We are doing the classic film peter pan we are indeed should i just dive right in for star yes. till morning yeah i think i think we have a lot we have a lot to discuss in this one as we did with alice so i think we should as you say just get into it and just do it let's get into it peter pan is a 1953 rom-com about a man child and the women and pirates who think they can fix him hmm such as Wendy, who is an overachieving 12-year-old who would rather dream about adventure than face the harsh realities of being an upper-class woman of leisure in Edwardian London. She would rather spend her days playing pirates with her younger brothers, who only exist in this film as extra lost boys, John and Michael. Her (laughs) household is run by a barely there and probably drunk mom, a workaholic dad, and a St. Bernard who's getting too old for this shit, Nana. 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 We learn that the children are often met at night by a creepy elfin jerk who's definitely much older than them, but won't admit it, and his fairy who has a crush on him, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. God. (laughs) When the parents go out for a company-mandated box social, Peter slinks in and the children yada, yada, yada their way out of dreary old England and into fantastical new Neverland. It's true. There, they get to travel to Peter's kick-ass tree crib filled with sticky underage boys who would rather beat each other up than listen to a woman, visit a wholly racist depiction of a native tribe that was completely unnecessary to the plot, wander over to a clutch of territorial mermaids, and fight pirates who care inordinately more about a magical boy than getting actual treasure or sailing the high seas. Yep. Everyone is a total dick to Wendy, who just wanted to see what her crush's homeland was like. For seemingly no reason, literally all of the female characters in this film absolutely adore Peter's immature kid butt and see Wendy as a huge threat in a breezy nightgown. <laughs> Luckily, there's one person who doesn't think the light shines out of Pete's ass, and that's Captain Hook. That's true. One might argue he has every right to be obsessed with getting revenge on the man-child who got his hand eaten by a giant crocodile. Yeah. I, yeah, have to agree. Totally fair. Things come to a head with Peter having to save Wendy and all the Lost Boys when Hook is finally competent and kidnaps the kids. In a classic <laughs> Batman and Joker feud, Peter wins, but allows Hook to survive another day, chased by his crocodile. The children steal a full-on pirate ship, but it's cool because magic, so it 
turns into a giant spaceship that's golden, and they fly home back to reality in style. In very much style. Yeah, this was the uh, nicest flight home that anyone has ever had. Seriously, this was this was a good time for them. They got to go home on their very own pirate ship. I wish I could fly home in a gold pirate ship. Me too. I think that would be a very fun time for us all. I think it would too. But speaking of fun times, you want to actually talk about this movie? Yes, let's get into this absolute bat crazy runaround that is Pizza Pan. So the movie, I, I wrote a note that okay. said, will the opening song aim to put you to sleep? Waited two seconds and then yes. The answer is decidedly yes. Yes. Um, and we, the first introduction we have to anybody is uh, Mary and George Darling. <laughs> the parents. The Darling family. The Darling family. But George is, is having a moment because they have to go to this party, as you said, his box social. And he's like, if I don't find my cufflinks, we don't go to the party. And if we don't go to the party, I can never show my face in the office again. <laughs> We're going straight from zero to a hundred. Right. Um, oh, I also, okay. One other thing that I noted for this in the, in the very beginning, before we get to them, uh, as we're shown the darling house, the narrator is talking about this film and they state all this has happened before and will happen again. Yes. I'm just thinking what is literally what predicted about? the remakes. So in reality, I think they're talking about the fact that Peter Pan is this mystical child that like visits all children. Okay. So like the story of Peter Pan is one that is to constantly told about a child's imagination. Like that's the real life serious non-fun answer. But in my mind, I'm like, this is just Disney saying, bitches, we're going to make so many sequels and remakes of this movie. <laughs> that is true. It's just outrightly acknowledging it. Like this is what's happening now. We're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yes yeah the, the family has to go to a company mandated party yeah um and apparently if he uh doesn't go to this he'll never sh show his face again Stan, was this did we have workers rights by this time period it's a great question i don't think so yeah. This is the Edwardian time. This is this is this is when people could just like die at work, and you'd be like, "Well, he shouldn't have been sticking his hand into a furnace, even though I told him to go in there." I just had a very horrible uh, sense of deja vu because we have a similar, a little bit safer nowadays, but we have a similar um, uh, mantra that the companies have more power than the people. It's true; they do have more power than the people. Oh. Well, back to Mr. Darling. Back to Mr. Darling. He, um, <laughs> he, um, he's really intent on finding these cufflinks. And he does what I think is one of the dumbest things to do when you have children, which is walk blindly into their playroom. Their playroom where the kids are in the middle of something. And, and we also get to see uh, their dog, Nana, yeah. who is trying to manage these children. Like, this is the smartest St. Bernard in the entire world. Seriously. And she's trying to pour them a tonic to drink, which 
I don't know what was in that tonic, but I'm going to guess that it had like cocaine, THC, maybe absinthe, maybe a dash of lead for health. A little heroin for good luck. A little heroin just to let the little ones nap a little bit. Like, what? Put the whelp to sleep. It'll be all right. (laughs) Just just (laughs) knock out the kids while the parents go party. Yeah, it's fine. That's normal. It's also normal to have a dog as a nanny yeah like everyone treats this dog as is like their actual grandmother who had been who had died and then her soul got reincarnated as this dog they treat her them like her her like their actual nursemaid yeah even doesn't the mother even say something about it yeah (laughs) everyone (laughs) treats her like this and she's clearly the backbone that holds the family together because predictably george trips on something because it is a kid's playroom Mm-hmm. And he and Nana, by the way, they go falling around this playroom, like tripping over blocks, stepping on cars and shit. They should both be dead. Nana and this dad either are dead or have life altering injuries. It's it's kind of amazing that an animated film still allowed, uh, we'll say an actor and a dog actor to chew the scenery because that's what this felt like. Yeah, it felt like an improv scene that they promised these two characters that if they took the reduced salary to appear in this movie, they'd at least get a wacky hijinks moment. Mm-hmm. It's okay, you can spend your five minutes falling around the set. <laughs> yes, and then when they're done, everyone will rush over to comfort Nana and leave Dad alone. I kind of felt bad for the dad in this movie. I did too, I did too. <clears throat> he, just, and... he just wanted his clean bib. He did and his um uh, cufflinks yeah and <clears throat> he declares that this is going to be wendy's last night in the nursery and i want to talk really quickly about nurseries um because this is a very specific sort of like fictional portrayal of nurseries um that you see a lot in disney uh and in the writings that they were based off of because it was where the kids would sleep and hang out. It wasn't It wasn't just like a baby nursery like we have it now or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a crib in one room. It was a bunch of rooms for like families that could afford to have it. And this is where they would keep their kids. There would be a playroom and there would be the, um, uh, and sometimes there were a combo. There'd be like a space to sleep. It was like a little apartment to keep the kids and educate them because they didn't like go <laughs> off to school and shit. And then like, the Mary Poppins of the family or if they had a governess or a nanny would live either in or nearby mm-hmm. um, in their rooms. So they could hear the kids if the like, kids cried in the middle of the night or something. Um, <clears throat> but like this concept of the nursery where it's like age, very specifically age restricted and like it, that's not how they were like they wouldn't have these big playrooms where kids would jump and run around in the 19 like tens and stuff but yeah that was a big thing where there was like this and i think they do the same thing in bed knobs and broomsticks where there's just like a concept of this playroom nursery deal which again is like a thing that super rich 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 people had mm-hmm. which but... also kind of like falls into how we assume the darlings are which are very yeah like spoiled rich people Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is kind of funny that, uh, <laughs> that Wendy is basically told, oh, you get to stop having fun, which yeah, if I didn't know <laughs> any better, cause Wendy's about 12 or 13 in this, something like, like that. 
were they Jewish? Is she going to have her bat mitzvah and then become an, like an official adult? Like, why did they just randomly go, you're too old for this. We need to move you out of the nursery. Yeah. Like all of a sudden dad's just angry and he's like, you, it's time to grow up. Let's find you someone to marry, get you out of here. <laughs> no more fun. No more stories. No nothing. Find yourself uh, a good husband to settle down with and a good St. Bernard to, ru- to run to rule your roost. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, And <clears throat> he... Oop, the parents leave and somehow music has just started playing on my computer and Ooh. thanks is Spotify. It Peter? Is it Peter? <laughs> if Peter Pan really likes the song Work This Body by Walk the Moon, then yeah. <clears throat> it was. But well, I- actually Nana might like Walking the Moon because because of this oh, like Nana. confrontation basically between uh George and Wendy and how they have an argument, he says, Okay, no more. Nana has to sleep outside and he yeah. ties Nana up outdoors and he has a conversation with her like she's sentient too where he's like come on nana don't yeah. look at me like that like everyone treats nana as though she is totally and completely present and sentient which i i am here for yeah and it's okay because it seems like nana is resigned to her fate she's like yes i've had to do this before at least i can enjoy the night sky and look up at the moon yep and then they just go off to the party and mary darling wants to know if the kids will be all right with Nana outside. And I'm like, Wendy's like 13. They'll be fine. Totally fine. But I mean, I think it is fair for her to worry because as, um, as the mother was leaving their room, Wendy is kind of half asleep talking about how this boy breaks into their house and she took his shadow. Yeah. She's having an A plus conversation. <laughs> Which it's like, as a parent, that might be a little bit worrying. Yeah, really, honey, I think our kid might be having hallucinations. Yeah, or someone's breaking into our house. Combination of the two. But no, they just leave. They're like, Wendy's got it. They're fine. It'll be fine. But unbeknownst to them, the hideous shadow of the Night Stalker is seen upon their roof as we see Peter Pan about to sneak in. And then he sneak in, he does. He's looking for his shadow, which is apparently a thing you can separate. I, um... So I have a really fond memory of watching the the Broadway play. Like, for some reason, my parents had a video recording of the Broadway play version hmm. of okay. Peter Pan. And I just really have a vivid memory about watching the shadow scene because I was thought it was so brilliant the way that they did it. Because they show the shadow as being like a pair of stockings mm-hmm. that then they kind of apply. So, so. yeah, it's really it is interesting. Um we skipped our question of the your Peter Pan story when you were a kid. Oh yes, yeah. I guess that would be my Peter Pan story. Yeah. Uh, what what was your uh, relationship with this before we get too far into it? I didn't have one with it really. This is not one of the movies that I owned. So again, like we brought up, if you didn't if you didn't own it, access was pretty limited. So I I remember seeing Peter Pan a handful of times when I was young. You know, like a friend's house or or something like that. But I never really had it so therefore i don't have like a strong nostalgia or affinity for it in that way but i remember liking it when i was young like it was a fun movie yeah i remember uh apparently i really liked the live action broadway version of it more that stuck with me more but i remember having kind of a a love-hate relationship with this film as a kid Mm -hmm. um like i think i liked the concept but i didn't like a lot of the execution so i didn't like fall in love with peter pan is the mythology frankly until hook came Mm. out (laughs) 
Rufio. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> I so wrapping us back in yes, to this please. movie. Um, when we see Peter break into their house, we also meet Tinkerbell, who is uh what I would say probably a sexual awakening for many people who watched Peter Pan. Yes. Um, because there's a lot of shots of her butt. Very, very, very sultry pixie here. But Tinkerbell is made to feel bad about her butt. She stands on a mirror and looks at her butt and is like, this is huge. And I just, I feel bad because she was only 70 years behind. I know, right? If she had just taken that, like, saw her butt in that mirror nowadays, she would have an Instagram following of like 2 million people. Yeah, instantly. Instantly. No questions about it. Yeah. But... Instead, we still get kind of. I'm still going to call it awkward fan service. Like I wasn't. It, it, no, dude, it's super it. fucking awkward. Yeah, it, it, it's something that you don't notice until you notice it. Where you're sort of like, this is a kids movie with a figure that's drawn like a very, very hourglassy lady, and she mm-hmm. does a lot of sassy walking. She is such a sassy lady, and you know what? For better or for worse, like I can't comment on my personal sexual awakening with Tinkerbell, but many people can. So, yep. But um, all for him. <laughs> Peter Pan finds his shadow, and I think the weirdest thing is that the shadow is trying to run away from him. So it's like, what have you been doing to your shadow, where your shadow wants to get away from you? The shadow has seen things. Yeah, the shadow is like, get away from me. <laughs> and in the process of catching his shadow, Peter Pan like knocks over books. He's bringing down curtains. He is making the most noise. It takes so long for Wendy to wake up, and then. Wendy starts talking to Peter at full volume, just monologuing at him, and the kids are still sleeping through the whole thing, her brothers. Yeah. But, and they also sleep through Peter being a misogynistic jerk. Because, like, the first few things he says to her are like, you talk too much, get on with it, girl. It's like, what's mother? Like, why are you asking questions? Yeah. Can you be mother for me? Can you like literally? Okay. So Wendy is such a teenager because she was gushing over this skater boy who disrespects her 100% completely. Immediately negging. Yeah. And then tries to get her to become his mother. This is so many issues. There's a lot of issues. And Wendy coming in strong because she's also like, oh, I could, I'm so happy I could give you a kiss. Yeah, it's like, this is all escalating very quickly. It genuinely escalated very quickly because before we know it, the boys are awake and Peter is talking about taking everyone to Neverland. Yeah, he's like, let's go. Um, Only one person has a problem with that idea and that's Tinkerbell because she has just decided to take a hot ride on the jealousy drain. This this bothered me as a kid and it bothers me today that peter pan is such hot shit that every single female character like this did not only fail the bachelor test this threw the bachelor test to the ground and pummeled it into the earth like you know whatever the opposite of the bachelor test is i do too actually there has to be a term for something that is just so in the in the opposite direction that it has its own like fail name oh I don't know. I I'm glad that I don't know this information, but whoever the most misogynistic person on earth is, that's probably the uh, the test name. Seriously. It uh there's so many Republican senators whose names I could use. 
I know. I just don't want to give them any of that credit. No, so we're just going to move on to what I consider to continuously to still be a pretty iconic song. You can fly. You can fly. You can fly. You can fly. I had I had a sing along songs tape that had this on it. <clears throat> Who didn't? I like that was that was a very fun song. Like legit, it is a fun song. Yeah, it is it, a fun it, song. It is not the song I chose for you, which, <laughs> how do you want me to reveal which song I chose for you is the question. Uh, what, did, what did you pick for me? I might have to look up the lyrics. Yeah, so the song I chose for you was The Elegant Captain Hook. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I figured with all of your tattoos, you might be able to relate a little bit to the Song of Pirates. Yes, it's where he sings to children about how you get to have a free tattoo, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to have to look up the lyrics for that one. Yes. Cool, I will do that. Um, that is a fun song, though, I have to say. Um, this one, though, is also very fun. It's, I don't, it's like, it's, it's such an iconic just Disney song, not even from this movie. It gets used in, I think it's used in a handful of, like, the advertisements from back in the day, like the VHSs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the dialogue from this scene gets used a lot. The whole, you know, it's just like, here we go! I remember that line of dialogue from a lot of um, the VHS uh, advertisements. It was a pretty iconic scene. Yeah, and, and I think that it's also just, it's a very popular song because it's very much about, like, believing in your imagination and knowing yeah. that you can have fun, which is which is great. <laughs> it, it's, it is really cute. I mean, it's just all about like you said, it's believing in things. It's thinking of positive stuff. And <clears throat> like, here it goes. Think of the happiest things. It's the same as having wings. And it's it's sung in this, like, that choral style that I think is kind of annoying when mm -hmm. it's present all the time. But it works for this. It's very, again, it's just fun and uplifting. It's all about flying. You can and it fly, uplifts you Anna. Fly, you can fly. Literally, she starts flying away. Yeah, because everyone everyone is flying away to Neverland, and I think it's Michael. Michael is the baby mm -hmm. who um, sees Nana tied up in the backyard and is like, "Here's some magic for you, Nana." And Nana just kind of floats, kind of tethered to her leash, and is like, "This is great. I'm so weightless. I'm happy." Exactly. <laughs> and she just waves off them like, "I guess, boy. Bye, boys. Be good. I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm stuck on a rope." Yeah. I'm gonna die. Oh, and I think that this is when we get kind of a bit of a, a hard cut into our introduction to Captain Hook and the Pirates. Yes. It's we meet the pirates because they're upset. They're so they're so short. Such such scurvy. Like these pirates. These pirates are upset. They don't have a great leader. They have they Captain have, Hook. They have Captain Hook, and they have been. It sounds just like they've been marooned. Isn't the word that I just grounded there, not mm -hmm. sailing because Hook wants to kill Peter Pan. I want to know how long he they've been there. Like, has it been a couple weeks, or has this been years? So my my feeling of the land of Neverland, aside from the fact that it's definitely all supposed to basically be Peter Pan's imagination, which just makes it creepier, is. Um, I feel like this is a land that time forgot and 
these pirates, it's basically the Bermuda Triangle. Like the pirates wandered into it one day and they've actually been there for about 400 years. But they don't realize it. It's entirely possible because I just, I want, like, because the pirate, Smee is telling Hook, it's like, Captain, the pirate, the crew's getting restless. They, they want to, they want to actually go pirating. We don't have money. We need food. We need mm-hmm. to do stuff. Um, So it's like, how long have you been there? Yeah. And Hook definitely has that, like, pirate captain attitude of, we're yes. here as long as it takes. Yes. <clears throat> Um, and he he has a brilliant idea. He <clears throat> wants to get the Indians involved somehow because, and I quote, those Redskins know this island better than I do me own ship. Well, there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah, don't do that. But they're going to keep doing it a lot. So so we, we begin um, with our summary saying that we actually can kind of take pity on Captain Hook uh, because... He he lost his hand to a crocodile, which was entirely Peter Pan's fault. And even Smee dismisses this by saying it was, quote, only a childish prank. Yep. He says, cutting off your hand, cutting your hand off was only a childish prank. And before that, he, Smee has another great line. Uh, when this guy is singing and it's getting on Hook's nerve, so Hook just shoots him. <laughs> yes. And Smee laughs and says, shooting a man in the middle of his cadenza? It ain't good form. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really good. That's a great line. Um, um, we also yeah. we also get to see the chunky boy Croc just kind of like hanging out, waiting for Hook. Yeah, because uh, it turns out they they can hear him coming now. Hook is upset about this crocodile because he's like, he ate my hand. Now he wants the rest of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good news for everyone is that he's eaten an alarm clock. So when he gets close, you just hear the TikTok. Yeah, that that little Croc is always jamming to his inner TikTok. I just want to know. I do too, but I want to know why Hook just hasn't shot the croc by now. Like, they clearly have guns. Right? I guess you can shoot a man, but you can't shoot a croc. I'm not sure. But what you can do, because there's there's another moment where Smee is like, okay, let me just calm you down, sir. Let me give you a nice shave. So he wraps his entire head up. Yep. He wraps Captain Silk head up, and a bird lands on it and shaves the bird's butt. Yeah, little seagull. And I guess what I discovered is that you can show naked bird butt on TV because that bird was just having a butt, having a butt, having a butt right in your face. I had to draw that butt. I just thought it was very funny. (laughs) I think what's funnier is that the bird flies away, obviously. And instead of being like, "Uh oh, I put the towel over his face instead, Smee turns around and he is so wasted at whatever time in the morning this is where he's like, I shaved off his head, naturally. Right? Which, again, makes me feel like Smee cannot tell the difference between Captain Hook's face and a shaved bird's ass, which means Captain Hook has a butt face. I think that <laughs> there's that. And I also think that uh, isn't Smee played by the guy who played the White Rabbit? And we decided that the White oh, Rabbit yeah. couldn't see anything, even though he's wearing glasses. I think Smee has the same condition. Yeah, this is another Mr. Magoo situation yeah, where you is... have glasses that do nothing. <laughs> It's exactly that. Because that does seem to be what's happening here. But um, we interrupt this weird crocodile seagull shaving moment because Peter Pan is back. Peter Pan is flying. And all of a sudden, that bored, irritated crew is suddenly like 50 pirates deep. 
because mm-hmm. Hook starts yelling about how they need to shoot down Peter Pan. Suddenly there's a ton of pirates and they are all on board for this murder. Not a single Let one of them is like, child. No. Yeah, yeah, not a single one is like, oh, don't what about our pirate and we need food. They're all just like, I guess, I guess we're all in and out. We're sold. <laughs> Directly, um, they also very much trust Captain Hook, who basically directs them to to shoot cannons at a cloud. Yeah. Like, he's the only one with a spyglass that can see these, but he's giving them coordinates to, to go to. So everyone else is normal. like, I guess let's shoot this cloud. But that would have been normal for them. It was the same thing with, like, the Titanic. Captain Smith wasn't standing on the front of the boat and screaming back to the helmsman. <laughs> Captain Smith also probably wasn't telling them to shoot clouds. <laughs> that we know of. That's true. Oh, that was the big issue with Titanic, not... <laughs> So actually, uh, thank you to Titanic Minute for this, but they were doing some research because they watch they watch Titanic Minute by Minute and discussed it. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but one thing that they did research on was that apparently uh, at the time, you know, before everything got safe, there was people that would that had their own personal guns and they would just lean over the side of the ship and like shoot at sea creatures like dolphins and stuff. Wow. Humans were a mistake. Yeah. All right. Uh, so apparently we do just like to blindly lean over things and shoot uh, at sea. So they start doing that. And Peter Pan um, tells this group of children that are new to the area. He's like, I got this. Don't worry. Tinkerbell will keep you safe. Despite the fact that she has done everything in her power up until this point to not do that. Is is giving everyone a habitual stink eye this entire time. And, and exactly. Peter, again, being the douche that he is, completely ignores her. Yep. It's just like, don't worry, this little thing will keep you safe. I'm going to go have fun. See ya. And just leave you behind. <laughs> yeah. And Tinkerbell uh, is taking on the role of the Cheshire Cat in this one and just the person that wants to kill people because she <laughs> doesn't just want to get rid of Wendy. She wants to get rid of Wendy. So she hustles her big butt over yeah. to the Lost Boys and tells them, hey, there's this Wendy bird coming and Peter told you, you know, your God, Peter, mm-hmm. who for whom you will do anything to shoot it down. So a bunch of boys dressed as furries come sprinting <laughs> out of this house to shoot down a bird. <laughs> Again, clearly not noticing the humans instead of the bird, like <laughs> just blindly following their leader. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this repeated trend of little boys listen to the big man. Oh, we see this later. There's a whole song about it later. There's a whole song about it coming up soon, actually. I know. Like, it's happening. I don't like it. (laughs) Neither do I. I also don't like how this is so conveniently wrapped up because um, they, they start throwing things and shooting things at Wendy, who starts falling out of the sky because... That makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah. all of a sudden, Peter Pan is no longer occupied with Captain Hook and is able to just fly in and catch her before she hits the ground. Like, how far was that distance and how fast did you fly? That was like... Yeah. Did did Peter just, like, teleport there? Did, did he have Wendy danger sense or something? It feels a bit like that. Because like, he, he is just instantly there um, to catch Wendy. I feel like he also is the type of person who... Uh, was flying around dodging all of the cannons um and then just kind of went i'm bored of this bye hook and then just fucked off mm-hmm. like without ending any of it just like see you later 
exactly i i just want to know what what the pirates thought of all that because they were one minute they're shooting at the sky and the next second uh he's gone yeah exactly just just vanished um but it's okay because he reappeared in front of the boys just in time to be very disappointed in them and tell them that he went through all the trouble of getting them a mom and they just tried to kill her again like I don't really give a shit that this is another human being. I don't care that this girl clearly has a crush on me. What I care about are my own needs and my needs as Peter Pan exactly. are to have a mother for all of my children that I decided to hoard over. Yeah. And I guess Tinkerbell just can't hang anymore because he banishes her. And initially he banishes her permanently, but Wendy being a very, very kind motherly figure, of course says, hey that's a little extreme even though she just tried to kill me and pan he he concedes is like oh all right for a week then yeah after okay so first off i think tinkerbell did the whole you can't banish me i quit thing because <laughs> she flew off and definitely flew off way too quickly to hear peter say for a week like she was gone yeah she was gone she thinks she's been permanently kicked out yeah which i mean honestly girl break up with him and yeah. once you get some distance from peter i think you'll see you have it better except she can't get over herself no this is selena gomez and uh, justin bieber all over again which in case anyone's wondering if i suddenly got hip to pop culture the answer is no i listened to a podcast that talked about that i was going to say i don't remember this happening now but i'm not like super super tuned into the world if this happened like I five think- years ago <laughs> Yeah, it did. I think the whole thing was that he kept breaking, they kept breaking up and getting back together and breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. Sounds like somebody else I know. Me. Um, <laughs> we, we can talk about that way later on the show. Uh, when we get into the princesses. But um, yeah, that's all that that was, where it was just kind of like making that allusion to us, like, girl. Like, yeah. Break up. So how, okay, so how do we get to the splitting of the groups? Because at some point... They um, split the party. Yeah, they split the party, and Peter basically says, "Hey, boys, you go capture some, uh, f- go out and capture a few Indians." It's definitely. Yes. What you- uh, so basically, what happened was, uh, Peter Pan wanted to take Wendy to see the mermaids, I think. Yeah. But John said something along the lines of, "I would rather, I'd rather see the Aboriginals." He's yeah. being, he's being such a white dude. Mm-hmm. Um. And Peter Pan is being super dismissive. He's like, yeah, all right, guys, go with them and help them capture some Indians. And then he leaves. Yeah, it was. And then they like the boys sing a little song. Yes, it's this is another one that was on my kid. My uh, sing along songs. This is following. We're following the leader, the leader, the leader. And then they have a great line in there. (laughs) We're out to fight the Indians because he told us so. Yes, that's it. We're off to fight the engines, the engines, the engines. We're off to fight the engines because he told us so. It's a cheerful song about genocide. Yeah, and it's not even like because they hurt my my kids, because they, you know, stole my land. No, because he told us so. Yeah. I, I I'll be honest, I didn't take a lot of notes <laughs> in that section. I took a bunch of, uh, not a bunch, but I took a, a some notes. Um, the song ends when John discovers a set of bare footprints in the ground. Mm-hmm. And he starts going off about how they're clearly Blackfoot of the Algonquin region and that they are very savage. And one of the things he says as they're being surrounded, because while they are very fastidiously studying these footprints, 
Indians who are hiding inside of uh, Christmas trees, apparently, are surrounding them. And the last thing they said that John says basically is, the Indian is cunning, but not intelligent. So we need to basically, we need to surround him and use the element of surprise. And then they all get absolutely jumped by a bunch of walking conifers. Yeah, they basically, they describe the plans of the Indians. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is what our plan's going to be. And the natives are like, oh, that's a good plan. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then they uh, take him back to camp and tie him to a stake where we find out that this is actually a game that the Lost Boys and the Indians play. Where like, sometimes the boys will capture some Indians, they let them go, and the Indians will capture the boys and let them go. But the chief informs us that this time is different. This time is different because his daughter, Tiger Lily, is missing. And he's like, it's your fault. And they say, it's not our fault we didn't do it and two things about this first of all is that john apologizes to them when he they get tied up he's like sorry about this guys that we're about to get burned at the stake and they are all so forgiving about the concept of being joan of arc i love it they're all just like it's fine, fine. It, um, it makes me wonder like we've talked about how this this might be a land um that time forgot mm-hmm. i i wonder if this is also a land where you can kind of eternally die so, like, as part of their game, the kids will get captured, they'll get tied up, they'll get burned at the stake, but nothing actually happens to them. Like, they don't mm-hmm. die. Huh. They just go out again and come back. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. What I do know is that the way that they make the Indian chief talk. Oh, God, that was painful. It's painful. And I... Uh... Like, I almost just want to read what he, like, a quote he he says just because it's bad. <clears throat> Do you have one? <laughs> I do. Um, this is after, this, this is a little bit later in the scene, but it's just the dialogue to show what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, no, sorry, this is done weirdly. Oh, no. <laughs> it was another one of those, like, somebody wrote it, like, into a great big one big running paragraph but he talks in that very stereotypical like me big chief you me big grateful you save child yeah it is awful it's the uh stereotypical um english as a second language cadence where people drop a lot of words and basically have the knowledge of like less than a four-year-old exactly like the intro yeah. to uh, we're gonna you know i think i'm just gonna save this before we get into that song um mm-hmm. soon um yeah let's leave the indians for now and follow the other half of the D party where um peter pan has taken wendy to meet um the mermaids wee-oo, wee-oo. sassy fish alert sassy fish alert also these girls are mean pick they are just like everyone else there they all of them love peter pan and they are just dying for him to come and tell them a story about himself i again like such teenage girl behavior i'm obsessed with this self-obsessed teenage boy because i find his haircut adorable that i'm going to completely overlook the fact that he has no personality and only talks about himself it is like that taylor swift i mean this chelsea i can't remember exactly what chelsea's uh parody was but it it totally reminds me of the taylor swift um song where it's just like 
She wears nightgowns. I'm in seashells. She, it's like yeah. I'm a mermaid and she hides her ankles. Like it's all this weird. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea from Radical Folks, for doing that first. But um, it is very much. Uh, I'm not like other girls because I have fins. <laughs> also, and because they immediately like when he introduces Wendy to them, he's like, "This is Wendy." They're basically they just look at her once and like she sucks. And immediately start flinging water on her. And when Peter finally gets them to stop, because Wendy almost decks them in the head with a seashell, mm-hmm. one of them goes, we were only trying to drown her. Oh, right. So, bitch. Right. So it's like, okay, this this guy shows up and he brings a friend. And because you guys are so moon eyed over this dude, you're like, let's kill her. Literally, the mermaids attack Wendy. They are trying mm-hmm. to rip her hair off, pull her into the water. And the they ones... are. And then, then the one that straight up says, We were just trying to drown her. Yeah. Yeah. Just so casual about it. It's cool. We're going to get her. Um... But once again, this just gets weirdly interrupted. They. And I'm trying to remember, they notice, I think, mm-hmm. that Hook and Smee have captured Tiger Lily. Like They, they the see boat the coming sh- in. boat. Yeah, yeah. So they see the boat with Tiger Lily just kind of sitting there. Another character who says nothing but is very clearly obsessed with Peter Pan in this movie. Another female character, I should say. Yes, every single one is enamored with, with him. But I will say that I think that out of all of them, she's the one, Tiger Lily, who seems to have a little bit of tiny amount of personality. If only yeah. for the fact that she just doesn't do anything when Hook is screaming at her. She just stays quiet and defiant. She really does. He, he like, basically says, I know you can speak, speak. And she's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to. What are you going to do about it? You're not going to kill me. <laughs> she says half a word in the entire movie. And it is when she says, help as the water is coming in and the water cuts off her word she goes that's everything tyler tiger lily says in this movie hell well so this is so they follow her into a cove right yes the mermaids run away because they see that hook and smee are heading for skull rock which in case you were wondering is a big rock shaped like a skull don't mean to surprise you with that info it's the most romantic romantic place on earth though yeah that's why they're taking her there um and captain hook puts you know an anchor around tiger lily ties an anchor to her puts her on a rock and is basically like high water is going to come in here with the tides tell me where peter pan is and i'll take you home and she says and she just closes her eyes and looks away Mm -hmm. and then they leave well yeah but is is this also where um smee and and hook are leaving and that's Uh where peter and wendy show up and peter decides to start messing with them exactly they were about to leave but then peter and wendy comes in and and he puts wendy aside because he's a big show off he's like hey wendy watch this instead of just quietly picking up tiger lily and taking her home yeah no that this is the moment of the film when i had my realization that peter pan is actually loki Because of the way that he just likes to mess with everyone. A little bit in that way. Just yeah. just just an agent of chaos. Excuse me. Yeah. Like he even he he manipulates his voice somehow with his hat. Yes. To sound like Captain Hook. Yeah. <laughs> well, at first he pretends to be a spirit, 
to separate them. He gets yeah. Hook outside and then he impersonates Hook and is like, Smee, take Tiger Lily home. And I absolutely uh, love Smee mm-hmm. because he's just like, I knew the captain would come to his senses. Come on, girl, let's get you home. Like, he doesn't even question. He's just like, freaking finally. Um, I forgot about one thing, though, uh, when Hook is threatening Tiger Lily. First of all is that Tiger Lily is drawn very white. She's just painted with a tan. Yes. Um, And second of all, he threatens her by saying, there is no path through water to the happy hunting ground. Yeah. Was that supposed to be a reference to Valhalla? I think that was just supposed to be super racist. I mean, there's that's that's what I mean. Like, oh, it is. It's super racist. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. Just him being like, yeah, yeah. It's Valhalla, but for inferior engines like you. That's what I was saying. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's such it's so rude. But well, at least we do get to see uh, our friend the crocodile come TikToking mm-hmm. back. I just I loved every time the crocodile appeared on screen because it seemed like the the clock that was stuck in him was no longer annoying the crocodile, but huh. it was more like his personality's like, yeah, I just got a jam. I just vibe now. This. Yeah. His face ticks along with it too. He does all his motions in, in time now. It's pretty great. Yeah. He's just so a he... full on musical croc. Exactly. So he shows up and um hooks having having a whale of a time because of this croc but he catches a break and is able to find peter pan mm-hmm. um and going back to smee i also just love how much he does not care about the crocodile like hook is afraid of it but he's just like go on get he treats it like a cat that he's already fed <laughs> like you've already had your food um also wrote that hook should be more afraid of smee than the crocodile because Smee has so far been so much more of a threat to hook's plans to or just to everybody but he's <laughs> not he is too focused because he and peter pan start having an incredibly comedic fight and i wrote down this fight is a D battle it is just that level yes. of thing where it's like i grab your it's like i try to stab you oh yeah well i grab your pants yeah what's that gonna do it's gonna piss you off i rolled a one but it'll look maybe cool it's fine it's like you go to trip him but instead you simply grab his shoe this is what this whole thing feels like this feels like that um but it's cool because it somehow all and all's well that ends well the crocodile uh the crocodile just takes (laughs) off the crocodile is, I think, the one that actually chases Hook and Smee away. Because, so I remember watching this and being like, wow, I thought that this, like, altercation between Hook and the croc was a lot later in the movie. Like, the climax, forgetting that there's a second. Yeah. Or <laughs> they fight each other. <laughs> and speaking of that uh, Captain Hook song that you challenged me with, I forgot that this kind of took place in here, doesn't it? No! That's, yeah, that's later. later. I yeah. thought that this happened... No, I don't know what I thought. The, no. the timeline of this movie is just as fuzzy as Neverland itself. It's slightly confusing only because certain segments in my mind just... I sometimes mix up which hook segment comes where. Well, after after they leave, I'm trying to remember who Peter Pan was talking to. But he talks about how he's dealing with woman trouble. Specifically oh, about banishing oh, Tink. Oh, I think that that's... Um, that's me. 
Oh, that was me. Okay, yeah, right. So, um, so they finish this battle, and Hook and Shmi run off, and Wendy has to remind Peter Pan that Tiger Lily is still inside the cave, drowning. <laughs> he had forgotten. So this is where we hear Tiger Lily say her one not line, where she goes, "Help!" <laughs> because he comes in just as the water rises over her head. She is about to die. Um, but thankfully, everyone's hero comes back, he grabs her, and is going to fly her home, and leaves Wendy to chase down after him. And here is where we see um, Smee is bringing some hot water into the captain's quarters. Mm. And as he does, he sees, you know, because Hook is shivering, and is all like, I don't know what's going to happen, everything's weird. And Smee, my favorite character, starts gossiping, because he's got the tea. He's got the hot water, and he's got the tea. Mm-hmm. And the tea is that Peter is having women trouble. That was it. And I think, doesn't Smee also say at one point that this ain't no place for a respectable pirate? Yes, that's exactly what he says. I love that line. I I wish I could use that line in real life more naturally. And I don't see how. Try to say it naturally. This ain't no place for a respectable pirate. You should say that if they get your order wrong at Starbucks. Yeah, I really should actually. That that would be perfect. <laughs> That's the right place for it. Yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, that that snaps Hook out of it and he immediately decides they're gonna kinda like I can't decide if he's going to the whole like I'm gonna be her bestie or if he's actively trying to like seduce her. I think he was trying to make Tink more of his bestie because he's definitely intending to just use her as a carrot. Yes to dangle in front of peter he absolutely Pan. does um i almost wish that this segment hadn't been split into two because this hook and tank segment is interrupted by the most racist song in the disney canon the completely um, completely unnecessary song it's so uncomfortable um <laughs> because it starts off with like a really weird dialogue kind of um yeah okay well, this annoyed me. <laughs> it's the horse. So we cut back to the Indian camp. Yes. Um, where the chief is, you know, thanking and honoring Peter Pan for bringing back Tiger Lily, which, to be fair, is a nice thing to do. You save my daughter from drowning. Um, I would like to show you my appreciation. What I don't think you should do, however, is show your appreciation. I'm not native enough to make assumptions about things, but I know that headdresses are extremely sacred. In yeah. native culture i don't feel like this is the kind of occasion that you would present a headdress for you might give them like a gift a tomahawk maybe or, or a feast but uh, th- that seems like a huge gesture because i know that those are quite sacred and they ga- they they gift him the title of a chief yeah flying eagle that's a lot of honors to be uh, on this on this dude here who yeah barely saved their daughter i I, this is gonna say sound strange but they i think they disneyfied it like they made it seem very um uh this is what you do in tourist places yeah this is like yeah like if if you go yeah this is a tourist view of how you're honored by indigenous people yeah, you go to you go to Wild West World, and the Italians there that are playing Native Americans are like, "Oh, good job! You saved our troop." 
uh, here you go. This is definitely what we do. Here's your chief hat and here's your title of chief. And here is your certificate printed on an eight and a half by 11 paper saying that you are our white savior. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. Enjoy yep. Japan world. Bye. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. And this entire song is bad. Um, I, you can I do. You can listen to the song in your own time, because I don't think we want to do like a line by line discussion of the song. Um, but it tries to quote unquote answer some questions. So one of the things that they have the Indians do in this a lot is just say how and grunt like uh a lot. So the song says, like, why does he ask you how? And it says, well, he didn't you he didn't the Indians didn't used to know a lot of stuff, but then they asked how all the time and now they know a lot. So that's why I asked how, and you're just like, okay. It's it's four-year-old logic. Why? Yeah, and this one is exactly when did he first say uh? Well, it says when he first made the first brave married the first Indian squaw. Um he, when he saw his mother-in-law, he went, Ugh! so that's why that happens. So and- <laughs> And I want to say before the song starts, Wendy says this line, good, this should be most enlightening. Is that what she says? I think that that's, I thought that's what John said. I attributed it to Wendy, but I could very well be wrong. But one of them thinks that this song uh, is definitely going to elucidate them on the way that natives actually are. And one of the guys asks what makes the red man red. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this will be enlightening. But it turns out we've got it all wrong. What <laughs> really happened is that um, when you go way, way back to the first Indian prince, he kissed a girl and started blushing. And they've all just been blushing since. And that's and that's why they're red, guys. Duh. Duh. Yeah. So this is that song. And it's awful. I wonder if John Wayne helped them write it. Maybe. But also during it, just to make it better... Whenever Wendy tries to participate in the dance, she gets yelled at by uh, an older uh, Native woman who tells her, squaw, get them firewood. Yeah, apparently the only one who could dance who was female was Tiger Lily, who specifically is dancing for Peter. Yes. (laughs) Because once again, (laughs) everyone loves Peter. Everyone loves, that's what this movie should have been titled. Everyone Everyone loves loves Peter. Peter. Yeah, because we go right back, uh, we detour back to uh, Hook and Smee, and they've been uh, chitter-chatting with Tinkerbell, and he Hook is now playing the sad piano for Tinkerbell, and yeah. he sa- and he's fully on her side, and he says, the way of a man with a maid, taking the best years of her life and then casting her aside like an old glove. He is such a shitster. He is a sassy bitch and knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. He knows exactly how to get what he wants in this situation. Um, and he just agrees with Tinkerbell. He's like, you see, Wendy's the problem. And he proposes a solution. He's like, well, obviously, we'll just Shanghai will take her with us, which what the term Shanghai is fascinating. I did not look that up. I also think that it doesn't have great roots. I, yep, it's shanghaiing or crimping is the practice of kidnapping people to serve as sailors by coercive techniques. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. it came about in the 50s, not the 1950s, the 1850s. Well, the um, 1850s. Yeah, that makes it all better. It's but... a parlance of the times, actually. I mean, <laughs> that, that makes sense there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but in this case, they're like, well, 
yeah, we'll go take her away. And then once we've got Wendy on our boat, well, our ship, actually, if once we've got her on our ship, she won't be a concern to you. Oh, I forgot, though. We don't know where Peter Pan lives. So we can't go kidnap Wendy if we don't know where she, where, where she lives. We just, we just can't do that. So Tinkerbell finally lets her jealousy get the best of her. And she, mm-hmm. she tells them where the hideout is. And he immediately locks her in a lantern. Women blaming women. Women That's blaming what this women. Is. If there's exactly. any, if honestly, honestly, ladies, if you're listening to this podcast, the one thing that you should learn about the movie Peter Pan is to not trust men. No. And don't trust children dressed as animals either. They won't make good decisions. Anyway, thanks for listening to us. Bye. Bye. Now, uh, uh, if you're still with us, though, the uh, we go back to the Lost Boys house. And yes. so Wendy's already there. And then they all come in being super racist again. And Peter comes in and all the boys drop their knees and start like kowtowing and bowing to him. And he, Peter goes over to Wendy and says, Big Chief greets Little Mother. I wrote that down too and made a little bit of a barfy face because it's just like all Peter wants is a subservient wife who mm-hmm. will let him boss her around and just be a mom. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, of course, Wendy is not having this and she turns away from him and he says what is one of my favorite lines in this movie where he goes, aw, come on. Everyone thinks I'm wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we know. That's the problem. Sums, sums him up. Yeah. Yeah. But I also really liked that um, Michael, the littlest son, thinks that like Nana, their dog, is their mom because of the way yes. that he describes what a mother does. Yeah. It's like she takes care of us and has ears and a fur coat. Because no one here knows what a mother is, including the Lost Boys. They're like, I had a hamster once, basically. And they're just like, shut up. Um, they said it was my mom. Yeah. But then Wendy starts singing. And by Wendy, I put Wendy in quotation marks. Because who is this grown-ass lady singing a song about motherhood all of a sudden? This is a terrible song. I, I said that she sings like a 40-year-old. She really does. It's um, your mother and mine. That was the title? I was so confused because I was like, "This ma- this song makes no sense to me." What do you mean, your mother and mine? <laughs> and I think what I find really interesting about it is that the girl, uh, the woman who plays her is her name is Catherine Beaumont. She also <laughs> plays the voice of Alice, um, and mm. she does the singing voice for both Alice and for wendy but when she sings as alice alice still sounds like a child but when she sings as wendy she sounds like mrs potts yeah she she did apparently age 20 years between the like three years that, that alice in wonderland and peter pan were released it's it ridiculous i also didn't realize that the song never smile at a crocodile with the lyrics isn't like actually in this movie i i, I didn't, didn't realize that. that either because i no. was going to pick that one for you but then <laughs> i was like wait no this it? song doesn't exist <laughs> no it was a bonus track that came out on the 1997 soundtrack release they, um yeah they only had the instrumental version like you yeah, mentioned which is weird because again it's going i didn't know in this movie 
this is not one that I own, but I had a sing-along song tape that had Never Smiled a Crocodile and it featured footage from the movie. So I assumed until basically now that that song was in the movie and it's not. It's not because they want to lie to us. Just like they lied to us about mothers. Here's exactly. my hot take. No, I I actually I I actually don't like the song Your Mother and Mine because I really it, it's so it's, it's honestly, the same as the advice song from Alice. Yeah. Sorry, it is super gendered. Yeah, like this whole movie is super gendered and very much um boys well, it's kind of boys need to grow up and understand that. Oh boys will be boys. Yeah. But also girls need to be mothers and you all need to yes. respect your mother like that's and what this comes off as <laughs> that's her that it's um, i do not uh, i don't like it at all it's I, don't like just, it I also just think it's such a boring song she also so the song it's super boring and wendy kind of ends the song by essentially convincing the lost boys to all to go leave. home with them yeah and she's just like yeah my mom will love taking you all in yeah exactly my parents would be totally fine with six extra children that have never been in civilization before it's fine yeah you all are sticky and smelly and probably haven't washed any part of your body in literal months let's bring you home yeah they'll love it Ugh. um but that's not what happens what happens is but unbeknownst to us the pirates have uh congregated around because they're gonna leave a quote-unquote present for peter but they they decided to stick around and listen to the song they did they were like oh it's so nice listen to wendy sing she's the best 42 year old singer ever exactly and then as soon as the boys and wendy came out to go uh go back home to london they just kidnapped them all it was so easy they should have just left like a net at the top (laughs) dropped it (laughs) just like no sorry just had them like walk out into the net <laughs> like it would have been just that easy it would have been uh it was about that easy though because and it happened quick because in the time it takes wendy to get upstairs they managed to tie up and individually gag every single one of the lost boys and her brothers they're all wearing individual little bandanas like that was fast <laughs> very time fast and efficient time does not exist <laughs> no it doesn't time is, this they existed in covid time before covid time yes they did but this is this is also where we get to the uh the song that i am requesting that it you is true all right let's let's i did have to what i've been doing is looking up versions of the songs on youtube that have the lyrics on time because go ahead you're you pick songs that i don't actually know very well which is good because if you've done like you can fly i'm like i already know that one but i did not know the elegant captain hook oh um, i I'm also like almost positive that the further down we get with these movies, like I'm going to pick a song from Mulan and you're going to be like, oh, I literally know all of them back and forth. I'm going to sing you the Christina Aguilera version in Spanish. (laughs) That's going to happen. I do. I did used to know. I I did used to know just around the riverbed in Japanese. See? So there you go. (laughs) I don't think I know it anymore, though. I actually, what's really funny is that I remember the song, The Elegant Captain Hook. But mm-hmm. weirdly enough, I did not remember where it was from. Like when I heard it in here, I was like, oh, that's right. This is from here. Yeah. But beforehand, if you had started singing this for me without saying Captain Hook, I would have been like, oh, this song, it's from, it's from, it's from, it's from, it's from, it's, ah, I wouldn't have remembered. I I also thought that this was like, like, I forgot that this song existed in this movie for the same reason. Like, I'm like, oh, 
I thought that this was just like an introduction song to Captain Hook from something, or you hear it on a Disney ride or something like that. Yeah, very much like kind of like Never Smile at a Crocodile, where it's like clearly written for promo purposes or something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, yeah, I I actually like it. It's very jolly, and it starts with the whole. Well, let's just see. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the intro ish part to it because okay, that it, that's the part that's done by the choir because they're all doing. <laughs> They're doing the yo-ho, yo-ho, yo-ho. So try the life of a thief. Just sample the life of a crook. There isn't a boy who wouldn't enjoy your working for Captain Hook. The world's most famous crook. And then you get Smee. Crickety, crickety, crackety, crickety, crack. And then he sings to you. A special offer for today. I'll tell you what I'll do. All those who sign without delay will get a free tattoo. Why, it's like money in the bank. Come John, join up, and I'll be frank. Unless you do, you'll walk the plank. That slice is up to you. When you're faced with those options, though... Yeah, how is a tattoo money in the bank? I want to ask this question. No, you and I both have tattoos. Um, Let me just tell you, you don't receive any money for that. You just give a lot of it to somebody who then gives you a beautiful piece of artwork by driving it into your skin manually. Yeah, I don't I don't want to live in the dystopian future where I need to cut out my tattoos to use as currency. <laughs> like ah this one it's worth 200 wing wags here you go wing wags or you have to switch with somebody else there's no new tattoos if you want a tattoo you have to convince someone to part with it and skin graft it oh my god the frankenstein bodies that we would have gross you can't you can't do laser anymore you have to frankenstein it <laughs> that's i feel like that's coming in some sort of weird sci-fi twisty film Ooh, nobody take our ideas we're copywriting it right now it's called the art exchange the art exchange see it in theaters 3022 you know what that make a really good graph you know it's funny i'd actually been meaning to talk to you about doing a graphic novel together and i think that we may have come up with a plot well we might have heard the inception of this graphic novel come out because we were both confused about how a tattoo equals money in the bank yes a peter pan song you're gonna get a graphic graphic novel um but yeah uh they I think the funniest part about this is that they're like, join our crew or die. And all the boys are literally, they literally start tripping over, literally tripping over each other to sign up. Yeah. Sandy being the only girl slash potentially adult, I guess, in this situation is like, well, wait a minute, guys. What if we not did that? Yeah. How about we just, I don't know. How about we just not? Like, although she also doesn't have, like, an alternative plan. No. Well, her alternative plan is Peter Pan's going to rescue us. That's her plan. She's just straight up like, it's okay. Peter will be here. I can trust the boy that I literally just had a fight with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'll be right here for me. It's fine. Yeah. Like, everything's good. Don't worry about it. Unbeknownst to her, Peter Pan had exploded himself. Yeah. And um, so this is where Hook tells them. He's like, oh, I left a gift for Peter. And Tinkerbell freaks out and knocks over the lantern. And that's how she escapes. She breaks the glass. She broke glass in case of emergency. Um, <laughs> and flies. Okay, so when she leaves Captain Hook's ship, by the way, when Tinkerbell takes off from the ship, that bomb is going to go off in 18 seconds. 
Yes. 18 seconds. So Tinkerbell gets there. With she's a kind bullet. of time to spare. She's a literal bullet. She she's gets there. Bullet. She gets there with like five or six seconds to spare. Her skin should have been loud off of her because of how quickly she had to move to do that she should have been that meme where the skeleton is like lean back it looks like it's screaming with the flames in the background that should just be her just that's what i see every night when i close my eyes a screaming skeleton head same did did you watch the later seasons of game of thrones no so i feel like peter pan uh, might have been the inspiration for the later seasons of Game of Thrones because in those episodes everyone just teleports to different okay. fast travel spots across the land and that's exactly what happens here yeah she just kind of Mew. it's like Diablo yeah she found the waypoint <laughs> fast travel to it yeah because the, again he makes it very specific that it's only going to be like 8 to like 15 or 18 seconds or so it's like here we go hold on everybody here yeah. it comes oh and this is she gets there Mm -hmm. that's all i was gonna say she's gonna get there Mm -hmm. and then she dies yeah so peter pan doesn't want to give her the thing he's like dude come on like this is a gift from wendy because that was the lie hook made it said it was like two peter from wendy of course and because yeah exactly and tinkerbell decides to just take it from him and and fly away and it explodes while it's on her head yeah and the proportionately by the way the box could fit probably eight tinkerbells inside of it yeah yeah and the rest of the uh lost boys place also just comes down on her Mm -hmm. so the entire tree that they're living in on top of the box that she was holding with the bomb all of it explodes upon this tiny tiny little fairy who somehow survives and this is um this is where that that live action broadway play i think also kind of cemented itself in my mind because in the play tinkerbell is represented by a light like literally just a tiny little spotlight Okay. So when she dies, her light gets dimmer. And as part of the play, uh, Peter announces to the audience, obviously kids, like, okay, we all need to believe in her. Believe, believe, believe. So it's like this really fun kind of audience interaction section that does not happen in the original movie. No, I don't imagine that it would. Yeah. Um, But it made me think of like, oh, if this were made today, I'm sure that they would make it like... um, Dora the Explorer, Bluey, or anything like that, where they're talking to the audience to try to be like, believe in Tinkerbell. Believe in Tinkerbell. Wish it. Wish it. True. Yeah. Yeah, the explosion goes off, and as you said, she basically dies. Like, not literally, but like, Peter Pan is crawling through the rubble looking for her. Mm -hmm. Like, calling out her name, and she's like, jingling faintly. The implication being that, like, she's fading fast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she should have died immediately but the fact that she's holding on is very impressive extremely impressive and then once again we just like you know the, the house has exploded you see peter crawling through the rubble calling for tinkerbell he's looking for her he sees her in the distance as her light starts fading slightly and then we just cut back to the ship uh, okay so yeah how did Abruptly? how did how how I, okay. 
it's yeah it doesn't make any sense you just it just cuts right back to them and because obviously wendy has said we're not doing this they're like well walk the plank now then i think i bet that um peter giving tinkerbell any amount of attention again Mm -hmm. teenage boy to a teenage girl uh is what brought her back to life and the fact that he gave her just an ounce of attention and like oh hey i'm really worried about you made her go oh you care let me reignite myself and then he went okay now i'm gonna go save my girlfriend yeah but the other thing is um i think i wrote down my note somewhere it was like wow death really changes you know makes people come around because after this too like tinkerbell also like (laughs) starts being nice Mm -hmm. and well like she's suddenly on board to like help people and She's not trying to totally kill Wendy and blah, 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 blah. Oh, she definitely had a change of heart where I guess in the two seconds while she was dead, she was like, eh, maybe Wendy's not so bad. Exactly. Uh, the mermaids yeah. can fuck right off, but Wendy's not so bad. Yeah. But yeah, she she's on her side all of a sudden. So she and Peter Pan rush to, we- to rescue Wendy. Um, and Tinkerbell is on their side now so when the pirates are making wendy like walk the plank she steps off the plank and then they're listening for the splash and then there's no splash Mm -hmm. and it turns out psych it's because peter pan was hanging out under there and he caught wendy and he and tinkerbell and wendy are just like giggling to themselves um yeah but again just in the nick of time yep uh peter saved her Peter and saved her. Bedlam, I think, breaks loose. Yeah, basically, uh, Peter Pan just like reveals himself. He's like, I'm not actually dead. Here I am. My old man, come and get me. And nah. once and- again, we start having a massive uh, pirate lost boy Scooby-Doo fight. Yeah, four-year-olds versus 40-year-olds. Like, that's that's what this was. Yup. And- how, how many lost boys could you take in a fight? Me? Yeah, not very many. I don't know. I think I could probably have taken those two twins just by picking them up and holding them separately. Yeah, I could. But like more than that, I think I just get outnumbered. Oh, yeah. They would swarm me and eat my skin. And I don't like that. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's just the numbers, the sheer numbers they've got on me. Yeah. Also, like in the fracas, Michael, the smallest of the bunch, somehow stuffs his teddy bear with a cannon. Yeah, he just grabs a cannonball and shoves it in there because that's normal. Yeah, and he I guess he's taking it as a souvenir because he never like I expected the teddy bear to like get thrown or dropped on somebody's or head rip. or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't. He just kind of drags it along because I guess the animators or Walt mm-hmm. thought that this would be a funny little scene. And then hit one of the pirates in the head with a cannonball in a bit. Yeah. And then finally, uh Captain Hook yells at Peter Pan. This is such a teenage boy thing. He mm-hmm. yells at Peter Pan to like stop flying around and fight him like a man. To which I would have said, no, I can fly. Don't be sour about it. Yeah. But Peter instead is like, no, I give you my word. I won't. All right. Two two hooks crossed behind my back. Peter gives his word. Exactly. Yeah. I. So I also, this was the moment when I realized that Peter Pan and, and Captain Hook are definitely the Joker and Batman. Because... They're 
they're always attacking each other. But aside from the fact that Peter definitely went too far that one time, they don't really try to hurt each other. No, um, but I do have to say that cutting somebody's hand off is a pretty big, uh, yeah, that's a big oopsie. That's a big oopsie. That's just like a pretty big violent gesture where you're kind of like, yeah, this is a thing that I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, but we do, we get Peter like getting the one up on hook and he asks and he gets hook to say i'm a codfish which is a recurring theme throughout this thing he just keeps calling hook a codfish and hook gets like violently offended by that yeah yeah he, he bullies a grown man into saying he's a codfish yeah exactly. and feeds him to the crocodile <laughs> yeah um so hook admits he's a codfish and then as peter turns his back on hook which is always what you do after a fight mm-hmm. to uh wave to his adoring fans Hook tries to get a swipe at him, and I you gotta give it to Peter who goes in the back hook, like really. I was like, that was the one line of Peter's I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. It was a good recovery because he was flustered for a second, but then he was immediately like, in the back. Yeah. And is this when Hook gets uh shoved off? Yes. Yeah, so he gets shoved off. He ends up getting eaten by the crocodile and then, like, runs into the back of the crocodile, runs into the uh, grand piano that was apparently in the crocodile's butt. Because it <laughs> makes a grand it, like, like, it makes does. A piano sound. It does make an incredible piano. Gong. Gong. And then he runs out, like, Hook runs out with the clock that's been ticking, throws it back into the crocodile's yep. mouth. And I think, okay, this is where I get fuzzy, but I think that this is when the croc kind of... um chases him and Smee off yeah kind of he yeah. i remember the scene from the never smiled a crocodile music video dealio thing they made because like hook prizes open the crocodile's mouth with his feet but yeah. then like because of the spring-loaded tension the croc shoots him out and he just goes skipping off into the distance like a stone um oh. followed by the pirates and Smee in a rowboat and the uh crocodile so they all they all go off to have their next adventure yeah, and I guess uh, per pirate rules, Peter Pan now gets the ship. Yes, and he decides to use his newfound captaincy and Tinkerbell's cooperativeness to <laughs> make the ship fly and bring the darlings home. And I feel like at this point, Wendy thought, finally, I could be free of this nightmare yes, and seriously. these children. <laughs> yeah, because um, he clearly gets them back home. And, you know, we now see George and Mary coming back from the party. And, Ma- and George says... <laughs> he is reconsidering forcing wendy into the nursery and he says something to mary like you know i never mean those things it's like then stop saying them giving your kids false ultimatums freaks them out this is what this is why your kids are going to be in therapy is exactly stop doing that but um they come back into the nursery and they find that the boys are in their beds but wendy is like asleep by the 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 window mm-hmm <laughs> So they wake her up and they're like, what are you doing over here? And she immediately starts going off about this beautiful dream and Peter Pan came and the Lost Boys brought them home, but they weren't ready. It's okay. They weren't ready to stay. Oh, but it was so wonderful. And there were pirates and this and her parents who are probably like super drunk and just want to go to bed are like, what? Huh? Yeah. Their daughter had too much tonic, I think yeah they're just trying to get her to go to bed and he's trying the dad's trying to be nice he's trying to be like you know hey wendy about what happened earlier like i'm sorry you don't have to grow up just yet but before we all think it was just a dream it's okay because wendy drags us all to the window yeah 
to point out the beautiful golden ship flying in the sky. Mm-hmm. Which every, I think this is when like the whole family basically looks out and that's when um, Mr. Darling is like, ah, that looks a bit familiar. Yep. So I remember that from when I was a boy. Yeah. Which leads to believe Peter Pan only has one adventure <laughs> that he repeats over and over. He just comes to this one house. Well, not spoiler, spoiler, uh, the sequel for Peter Pan, he comes back to the Darling house looking for <gasps> Wendy. Ooh. It, but it's not Hook. Like, Peter yeah. Pan hasn't... Gr- okay. All right. Well, that's fine. No, Peter, you know, young that's Peter fine. comes back looking for um for Wendy and finds her kid instead. Actually, I think I do remember this now. Yeah. I didn't Which see it, but I know that's what happens. Actually makes it a little bit creepier, doesn't it? Well, but... The- <laughs> hey, I used to date your mom and I haven't aged a day. How about I date you? Your mom thought I was wonderful. Your mom thought I was wonderful, just as every other woman that I encounter thinks I'm wonderful. Why don't you? She's sitting there like, hey. This was, um, apropos of nothing, this was another uh, Disney movie that on Disney Plus has a, has an, mm-hmm. like, five minute as told by emoji animated version. I still haven't seen the other one. I have to watch this one. Uh, I recommend watching it for five minutes. You can tolerate it because it's just so bizarre. That's fair. Yeah. So that was Peter Pan. Did you, what did you think? Did you like this? Do you recommend it? It's 50 50 on whether or not I liked it, honestly. Like, I think I like this is another movie where I think I like the nostalgic feeling that it gives me. And there's a lot of parts of the movie that I like. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of parts of the movie that I hated. That's fair. So I do. I do recommend it um, from a watch it from like this perspective and just kind of see how you feel about it. But I don't think I would recommend it for like a kid to watch, frankly. Yeah, I I had mistakenly marked it as yes, but I'm also 50-50 on this one. There's parts of it that I really like. I like that it set the template for the adventure Disney films. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a lot of it that I didn't enjoy. I think that I mean, obviously, the problematic portrayal of Indigenous people is not good. Um, And I don't like that every single character is obsessed with Peter Pan because it's kind of like he's not all that interesting of a character. But that's why I didn't, like, love it. But I also, I do recommend it, though. I In the same way, it's like, I think that this one was also pretty relevant. Um, I, I do think it's interesting enough. Mm-hmm. There was enough songs in it that I recognized from things. Like I had heard Follow the Leader before. I had heard um, You Can Fly before. You know, those are two pretty big songs. I had heard What Makes the Redman Red before. But I mean, there's there's enough parts of this that make a lot of sense where I do think that this one is worth watching. Don't get me wrong. There are going to be some mu- movies in the future that I do not think are worth watching. I have an inkling of a feeling that you're going to feel that way about our next movie, which is Lady and the Tramp. Interesting. Why do you think so? Well, uh, maybe it's actually my own personal <laughs> feelings coloring it, but I didn't feel like Lady and the Tramp was that great of a Disney yeah. movie. So I just have this feeling that you might, might upon rewatch, be like, oh, this was annoying to no end. I actually think I'm going to feel that way about a lot of our next films. I don't, I never, I have never actually seen Sleeping Beauty end to end. 
Oh, all right. Well, we're going to have some talks about Sleeping Beauty because yeah. I do not like Sleeping Beauty. I have not seen that one end to end. I remember 101 Dalmatians being super boring. Um, Yeah, I have a feeling that it's like I, the, there are some movies that I recognize coming up, but I don't remember really liking. That's that's the era of film that we're about to head into movies I remember, but don't love. And then we're going to head into a bunch of movies that I like, but don't love. <laughs> yeah. I I wish that uh, Disney had categorized their movies that way instead. Movies that Alexia despises. <laughs> movies that Alexia <laughs> remembers but doesn't quite like. Movies that Alexia likes but doesn't remember. <laughs> uh, it would be a, such a weird Venn diagram. This is laughing in all kinds of directions. Yes. Uh, you have anything else on Peter Pan or Menomina? 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 Menomina. Well, I I do not have any further thoughts other than I will see you on the second star to the right and head straight on till the next morning so I can get past thinking of Peter Pan. I'm about to go find a lady and a tramp and tell you how that goes for me. Excellent. Awesome. Well, uh, so long, Glamour Boys. <laughs> so long, Glamour Boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nests Podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss, all one word. On Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss, all one word again. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco, because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long, Glamour Boys. (laughs) 